Coming up on OR Higher Ed, I sit down with the Oregon Student Association Legislative Director, Mario Parker Milligan. He'll talk about what he sees as the biggest challenge currently facing higher education. Across the board, everyone is pretty clear that college is not affordable and tuition needs uh, to be brought down and financially needs to be um, prioritized. We'll also talk Oregon Student Association strategies. Tuition increases won't stop until the state puts more investment with uh, strings attached to our institutions. But at the same time, we need to ensure that all of our faculty and staff are being um, uh, compensated and not, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. We need to be ensuring that everyone on our campuses are being paid a fair, fair share. We believe that does have an effect on the entire quality of life at the, at the university or the, the community college. And we'll also discuss Oregon Student Association tactics. Writing policy and targeting specific legislators to introduce bills and what on the ground campaigns need to happen in order to, to be successful with any given campaign. Welcome to ORHigherEd.com's podcast. My name is Dan Adams, and I'm OR Higher Ed's founder and editor. Our mission is to enhance student outcomes through effective education policy in the state of Oregon. Today, I'll be talking with the Oregon Student Association Legislative Director, Mario Parker Milligan. Welcome, Mario. So, Mario, let's start at the beginning. How did you become interested in student outcomes? I became interested in student outcomes personally when I was... Uh, a student at Lane Community College through um, my Black Student Union on campus and through the student government. Um, they started I, um, bringing, having like town halls and like forums for students to talk about different issues and, um, you know, transition from talking about them to lobbying for them um, at the state legislature. So I was recruited initially through voter registration, um, which is a great way to start talking with students and engaging folks about um, the cost of higher ed, and um, became pretty um, passionate about tuition equity, among other issues. It wasn't necessarily a policy that would um, increase outcomes as much as it would increase access. Um, and then inherently um, the outcomes uh, would follow. Um, first, we have to get students into the door um, and have some means of ensuring that they're not leaving with you know, $30,000 of, of debt, which is about the, uh, the average that an Oregon student leaves uh, a, you know, a, a public university or community college with these days. Um, I ran for student body president and became student body president and was able to influence the administration to um, negotiate a better contract for students and to work with state legislators and um, uh, eventually spoke with um, members of our congressional delegation about the issue. And um, that was one issue that got me really involved. What at the time I thought were small issues in my head uh, soon became bigger after talking with students from different campuses um, through my work with the Oregon Student Association. It sounds to me like you saw a problem, got involved with fixing it, and then that sort of grew and grew and grew. I'm wondering how you see the trajectory of your growth into your current role. Yeah, after leaving school, became uh, got hired on as an organizer with the, the Oregon Student Association and 
Um, as field organizers, uh, we spent about 85% of our time in the field going from campus to campus and working with students directly uh, in the field. Working with students and, you know, understanding and hearing their stories and their experiences of, of debt and how um, tuition increases, um, even small ones, do have tremendous uh, impacts on an individual. So my work going around the state definitely gave me a broader perspective and I saw problems and I worked with other students to develop pretty concrete uh, solutions to those and we translated them into legislation by working with the appropriate people. And after doing a year of field organizing, um, I got hired as the legislative director for the association and dove a little deeper into the policy world. Rather than spending 85% of my time in the field with students, I spend you know, 85% of my time with legislators and with other policymakers and lobbyists and folks working at universities and colleges um, who are um, advocating for funding, who are advocating for policy, and have been able to bring the stories of students from Eastern Oregon and Southern and Central Oregon and the coast and up and down the I-5 quarter to Salem, uh, which has really, I think, impacted a lot of legislators' ability to take hard votes on policy or on budget, on knowing that there are real people out there whose lives and peace of minds are being voted on every day by um, our 90 legislators. In my role as the legislative director, I am lead policy researcher for, for the Student Association. I'm a registered lobbyist with the state of Oregon, which means every quarter I'm reporting how much money and how much time I'm spending lobbying. But I am spending Monday through Friday when they're in session in Salem meeting with people, attending hearings and testifying. And that also means I'm doing research on current policy we're working on and um, policy that students prioritized um, last year through our issue choosing process. For listeners who may not be familiar with the Oregon Student Association's mission and major work, uh, could you please talk a little bit about current OSA projects and how OSA is working to improve access success in the state of Oregon? Our priorities are pretty pretty broad this session, from funding for our institutions, universities, and community colleges to making them more safe for students and inclusive for students and ensuring that we have more full-time faculty, teaching faculty on our staff or on our campuses. With that, we have regional diversity and we're able to work with and access every single legislator in the, um, in the capital, regardless of where a university might fall or where a community college is. Um, so folks aren't closing their door on us, they're opening their door and engaging with students because we have been able to um, have an impact on, the, um, on elections. We're nonpartisan and we don't tell people how to vote, we just encourage them to um, actually vote. And across the board, like everyone is pretty clear that college is not affordable and tuition needs uh, to be brought down and financial aid needs to be um, you know, prioritized. Financial aid and student debt is a huge issue with um, rural campuses, um, much more than uh, larger campuses because they have less funds and less grants available to them. We go issue by issue, and um, I assign different projects or different research projects to staff, and um, they look at different states and different um, university systems or different community college systems and see 
if there have been solutions or other proposed um, policies to address these issues. And we compile it in um, what we call a policy blueprint, and we provide staff recommendations for what um, the next steps should be um, in writing policy and targeting specific legislators to introduce bills and what specific on-the-ground campaigns need to happen in order to, to be successful with any given campaign. And then they, we take that back to the boards and they decide, like, these are going to be the issues and this is uh, these are the bills we need drafted and the people who we need to work with, um, either legislators or coalition partners we need to engage. So I want to I want to take a step back and kind of look at higher education in the state of Oregon from a distance. I'm curious from your perspective, what's the biggest challenge currently facing higher education? That's a great question. The easiest answer would be funding, specifically state investment in higher ed. Um, but the issue a little ways away from that is our tax system and how we get revenue in the state of Oregon. Um, measure 5, which I believe passed in 1990, really put our state on a trajectory to, to disinvest in higher ed. Um, it's in our constitution to fund K-12 and to ensure that every Oregonian has access to public K-12. So when we capped property taxes in 2000 or in 1990 through Measure 5, that took a lot of local funding from school districts, which forced the legislature to invest in K-12 and to backfill through the general fund, which higher ed used to see a larger, um, a larger proportion of the general fund um, given to them, given to community colleges and universities. So that 35000 foot level perspective of higher ed is state funding, but even more importantly, it's how the state of Oregon funds higher ed. And 25 years, 26 years ago, how we funded higher ed was a lot different than how we fund it now and really how we fund education in Oregon, the entire spectrum. So funding, we have a lot of big ideas and we've heard from a number of legislators that they want to see free education, free higher education. If it's free tuition for community college students or free university, it's not a, a big lofty idea. Um, we know how much it would cost to do that. It's just a matter of uh, where the funds come from. And until we fix our pretty regressive tax structure in Oregon, we aren't going to get to a place where um, the legislature can adequately fund institutions. Yeah, I mean, before the recession in 2007, 2009, the state was funding community colleges at $500 million and universities at $693 million. And in our current biennium, we're funding community colleges at, at about $460 million and universities at like 500 and I believe it's $84 million. Had that recession not happened and the trend of investment kept up, universities would be upwards of like $800 million and community colleges around six six fifty. So our message this session has been pretty clear that we need, like, we need to restore funding to higher education, um, but students are getting a bit more proactive in telling legislators how to, how to do that. Um, in the last session, we were saying repeal some of the mandatory minimum laws that were passed through measures 11 and measure 57 and maybe not put people away for so long or, you know, allow um, judges more discretion to take cases case by case and not um, on the face value. And, you know, since putting people in jail just by law that they have to through mandatory minimums. And then subsequently, we're also talking about Oregon's kicker um, law, where if the state 
projects that we're taking in more than 2% of what we budgeted for, budget, uh, legislatively approved with the budget, we had to return that money to the taxpayers. We're arguing that, A, like that's a lot of money that could impact our economy really well if we put it back into education um, rather than sending individuals $150, $250 checks, um, which might be meaningful in the short term for um, for Oregonians. But the long-term game is we actually do need to talk about maybe not having a kicker or allowing the legislature to keep it in um, in times where we're not economically stable. And although our economy is looking really well right now, the $350 million that could be kicked back to taxpayers, we're arguing would have a much better investment if we put it back into um, higher education. Outcomes-based funding has been something that the Higher Education Coordinating Commission and uh, leg legislative leadership and former Governor Kitzhopper have been working on for some time. And what it is is essentially a, a change in the funding model and the funding model for universities and community colleges. Um, we don't have a final uh, mock-up or a version of what the community college side or the community college formula would be, but the university formula is pretty much done. And students are very much opposed to us figuring out how to do more with less. And we're arguing that the, the root issue to outcomes and to, to institutional success is actually funding and how our institutions are funded. 25 years ago, the state was paying about two-thirds of the cost of, well, the state and federal government were paying about two-thirds of the cost of someone's um, education. And now uh, it's paying combined about a, a quarter of it with students picking up, students and their family picking up the, the remaining balance. And that does have a huge impact on the individual and on the economy. When students are straddled with with debt loads for 10, 15, 20 years, that means less dispensable income to, you know, pay for things and to, to buy a house and to start a family. So we're arguing we rather than moving in a direction where we're trying to figure out how to provide more outcomes with less money, we need to identify how to increase the funding coming into our institutions. And there are a lot of there are a lot of ideas out there and I think a lot of folks have will say a budget is a moral document and what you believe in should be what you are willing to pay for. And if our businesses and our decision makers are saying we need a more educated workforce, then we need our businesses and we need our legislators to move into a direction where we're increasing um, opportunities to you know, generate new revenue or change our tax code or tax structure. So. Um, our state is able to pay for higher ed so students and families aren't um, straddled with $500 a month um, student loan repayments, um, where that money could be going towards so many other things. You mentioned free tuition. I'm curious, looking at the higher education landscape, what one to three policies could significantly improve higher education outcomes from your perspective? When it comes to policies, we have to fund our policies. We have this... In I guess to back up a little bit, we have this goal of reaching 40-40-20 by 2025, which is now about 10 years away, and 40-40-20 being 100% high school graduation or completion and 40% of those people receiving at least an associate's degree and then the remaining 40 
receiving a bachelor's degree or higher, we're not going to reach that goal if we don't make significant funding um, investments in our institutions for the purposes of bringing down tuition. Tuition, and I I've seen on your website you've been reporting on all of the tuition increases across the state. Uh, tuition increases won't stop until uh, the state puts more investments and, and, I would argue, investments with strings attached to our institutions. We need to ensure that all of our faculty and staff are being uh, compensated and not living paycheck to paycheck um, or you know, living off of cash or SNAP benefits. We need to be ensuring that everyone on our campuses are being paid at their fair share. Um, so one policy would be you know, funding institutions at a high enough level where they're not laying people off or moving in a direction where we've seen um, a lot of part-time staff who are working on multiple campuses. Between funding, between the, um, you know, better continu continuing education for, um, for our institutions and the faculty and staff they hire, um, and then uh, ensuring that we have more full-time faculty on our campuses uh, to work with students in their office hours and in the classroom. Um, but when we have smaller, more intimate classroom sizes, even in universities where we have 500 people in some classrooms, it means that students have more one-on-one uh, -on -one time with the faculty member or um, are able to, the faculty members are able to hold office hours and is on campus and not driving up and down I-5, going from one place to another and not having the time to meet with students about you know, their workload. I know this is a busy point in this cycle in Salem. What should listeners be watching for from the Oregon Student Association in the weeks, months ahead? For the next few weeks and really the next month and a half or so, um, we're going to be talking a lot in the public and with decision makers and in our communities about um, the need to invest $755 million for universities and $550 million for community colleges. And students, we do make up a pretty large population of the, of the state, but we're not enough. And if Oregonians are wanting more accessible higher education, decision makers have to hear from them. It's not enough to show up on election day anymore. We have to show up on election day and um, turn out to committee hearings and talk to legislators about our individual priorities. And if people are wanting to send their um, send their uh, children to college, uh, it's looking less and less like an option for a lot of folks because the cost is going up and up. And decision makers, I keep harping on this, but people decision makers aren't hearing from enough Oregonians about where um, where that money should be sent. And K through 12 is definitely a huge priority for our governor and for decision makers. Um, however. If folks are wanting education to be higher education to be more affordable, they do have to talk about the kicker. If a hundred and fifty dollar check is meaningful for you, that's great. But if a college education without the promise of thirty thousand dollars worth of debt compounded over time, which would be fifty or sixty or in some cases seventy thousand dollars with interest rates that they are, people have to you know stand up and speak out and tell um, our elected officials where they want their tax dollars spent and doing it online like you know trolling comment uh, comment boards online and facebooking isn't enough uh, we do have to come out and show up to these uh, to these roadshows and to these hearings I think it was fictional President Bartlett from West, from the West Wing who said you know decisions are made by those who show up and decision makers you know, listen to people who show up, um, not just at the polls, but 
um, to these hearings and to uh, their offices. Fictional President Bartlett and I have the same alma mater, so you got me there. I'm in. Perfect. <laughs> ORHigherEd.com's mission is to enhance student outcomes through effective education policy in the state of Oregon. The website features a monthly podcast with policymakers and analysts, aggregates the best of what's written about higher ed policy in Oregon and around the country, and publishes original white papers. Our website is www.orhighered.com, and we're on Twitter at orhighered. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcasting app. While you're there, please help others discover the podcast by leaving a rating and a review.